This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, March 18th, 2022. With me on the phone to help us start this uh, Friday edition of our show is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. He's in his Fort Smith office. Welcome back, Michael Tilley. Well, thank you for having me back. I still doubt your decision-making of letting me start the show off, but uh, you're the expert here. Well, how, um, you know, are you one of those folks who fills out an NCAA March Madness bracket? No, I quit that a long yeah. time ago. I was so bad at it. It just didn't, it was not even fun anymore. Let's talk about some plans. We've got a lot of plans to talk about this week. Let's start with um, an economic development plan for Van Buren and Crawford County. Yes, um, the city of Van Buren, Van Buren Chamber, um, partnered together on uh, what they're calling an action plan for economic development. Um, and some private uh, dollars um, support the development and pay for this. It's really their first. Um, it's their first plan of any type since 2015, but it's probably, Kyle, I would say the most comprehensive plan. I've seen them roll out uh, in a long time. I, I, you know, the A&P has done some things. The city has done some things. But this is um, kind of has everybody at the table, which is what made it interesting. They began on it last August, uh, and they hired a gentleman named Jim Fram, um, who, in full disclosure, I've known Jim for a long time. Um, he's been chamber and community development probably for over three decades. Um, and he's one of the, uh, I can tell you, he's one of the guys in the chamber and community development community that is very well respected. So he helped them pull this plan together. Um, I was talking to Julie Murray. Um, she's president and CEO of the Van Buren Chamber. You know, their whole focus was what's next. You know, she said, we've got this momentum. A lot of folks in the community are want to be pointed in the right direction, so to speak. But what is that direction? Um, so what they've come up with, and, and I'm going to summarize it, 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 what I summarize is just kind of the top points. I don't want anybody thinking this is all it, all, all it is because, because it is pretty comprehensive, but, um, so some of the key items are going to form this economic development partnership. Um, it's kind of a separate entity from the chamber, but it will be considered kind of the economic development point agency for the city, Van Buren, and for the county to some extent. Um, they may use some of the existing um, city of Van Buren sales tax to fund it. They're definitely going to be seeking private dollars to support it. There'll be a, a commission, a council, so to speak, that will you know management, oversee distribution of the funds. Um, they're also going to conduct a branding and a communications campaign so that as many groups as possible, you know, the city of Van Buren, the chamber, the downtown folks, even the schools, um, you know, some of the more prominent um, groups will ideally adopt some of that branding. So when you, so when an outsider looks at the community, they kind of see a, a common message, a, a common theme, which um, is, is preferable in the world of economic development. It lets outsiders almost immediately know, if not subconsciously know, that this community has their act together, they're working together, and, and that's always seen as a positive. So um, they don't they don't have all the details. Like I said, I talked to Julie. They hope in the next 90 days or so know more about how much money they're going to need, which of these priorities they can jump on immediately. You know, they'll kind of have a priority um, list um, set up, but they've got the plan. They've got the to-do list. And so now they just need to start to doing. <laughs> start to doing. I like that. An economic development plan is a major part of putting together a plan like this to attract would-be employers. It's well, yes, it, that's part of it. Uh, what was interesting in this plan it was also how we improve quality of life, how we make things better for people who are here now. So that's part of the that's part of the package. Uh, encouraging the different community agencies, community players um, to talk together, to use the resources that best benefit, you know, the region, the community. Um, and, and Jim and Mr. Fram also encouraged uh, these community leaders to not 
um, forget about reaching out to Northwest Arkansas and use them as a resource um, uh, for you know various reasons. Because if you, again, we've talked about if you look at a map, you know Crawford, you've got Benton, Washington, Crawford, and Sebastian County. It's a four-county stack with a lot of economic development potential. All right, let's talk about another plan. This is one that has been discussed for a while. It's not yet implemented. It's a it's a it's an assessment plan for downtown Fort Smith. There needed to be a certain number of signatures. They're still collecting signatures. As always, I'm going to ask you to help me out understanding where we are. Well, um, where where I thought we were was dead in the water. They were having trouble getting um, the percentage that they needed. What they want is an agreement from owners who have uh, at least 50 plus percent of the property value in the district. Um, so, and they were struggling to get that, but they are now over that. They're like 50 and a half percent. And they um, think that the members of the central business improvement district think they have others lined up. Their goal is to get more towards 60%. Um, once they get these petitions in place, then for this assessment, which is, like a millage, but it's in that downtown area, then the Fort Smith Board of Directors would have to approve it. Um, what they hope to do with the money is two primary things. One is that create a safety and security program. They would hire um, off-duty officers, uh, off-duty police officers to just patrol the area. There would be some um, um, safety things they would invest in. Um, the other thing would be to, for some of the landscaping, especially along Garrison Avenue, keep that landscaping up to date, um, improve some of it, um, take some of that off of the city's hands, um, and you know make sure that that is managed um, almost you know around the clock. So that's the goal. Um, we'll see. Um, how it goes. I'm pleasantly surprised that they got it back to life, so to speak. And I, I would think if it continues to move along as it has, um, I would be surprised, Kyle, if, you know, by the middle of this year, if not early in the second half of this year, this uh, program becomes a reality. Speaking of plans, the Downtown Springdale Alliance Master Plan is being updated. They're going to have public hearings about it uh, later this month. One of the things that uh, supporters of a master plan point to is, you know, Emma Avenue through the heart of Springdale used to have all these 18 wheelers rumbling through it. They don't now. There are, you know, restaurants and things you can do with your family there with less noise. There is still the desire to get 18 wheelers off of Garrison in downtown Fort Smith. Yeah, and, and and gosh, Springdale didn't drop and blow away when they moved the trucks around it, did it? No, it did not. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, this has been um, – I've been covering Fort Smith politics and business development since the early 90s, and this has always been, you know, next year we're going to get those trucks out. You know, we're going to work on a plan, and then maybe in a couple of years we'll get those big trucks out of downtown Fort Smith. So we've, but in the past two or three years, I'll push my skepticism aside. They have made much more progress. The Arkansas Department of Transportation is involved. They're picking up off of a plan that the city of Fort Smith paid for a couple of years ago, which developed some alternative routes that would get the trucks off of that main garrison thoroughfare and reroute it around. There's still a bottleneck, you know, the bridge that comes into Fort Smith, downtown Fort Smith and from Oklahoma, that bridge is, um, it's a state highway, you know, and so, um, state federal. So the city, you know, can't just, you know, um, make, make a sudden change. So there have been over the years talks of another bridge across the river. Uh, but somehow the traffic has to get back to that bridge. So that's kind of been the bottleneck, but the Arkansas department of transportation has met, has had a, some hearings about um, how some to look at some of the options. And Dave Parker, the public information officer for RDOT, says that they think by the end of this year, they will have um, um, some viable options for how to reroute that truck, truck traffic. And again, I know your listeners may be tired of me saying it. It, it is, it is 
a real um, disruption. I can't tell you how many times I've been at a restaurant downtown, especially during the pandemic when they were wanting folks to sit outside. You know, these trucks come rumbling by. You can't hear yourself talking. You smell diesel fumes, um, and it's not and it's not like they come by every 30 minutes. You know, it's every three to five minutes. So uh, it's just it's something's got to be done if downtown Fort Smith is going to continue to grow um, into, um, you know, a walkable type entertainment district that we see with Dixon and with Emma and with some other, you know, places around the state. It's that's to me, that's the last thing they if they can figure that out. I think we'll all be pleasantly surprised. Some of us maybe not surprised, but at how, how much that improves uh, the atmosphere in downtown Fort Smith. So options by the end of the year, that, of course, doesn't mean that things will have changed by the end of the year. Right. Yeah. And again, I try not to be skeptical of these options have come and go have come and gone in the past, but I do see more of a will, a political will to get something done. So hopefully that will happen in this case. You can read about everything we talked about and so much more at talkbusiness.net. Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics, thanks for your time. Hey, you're welcome, sir. This is Ozarks at Large. This week, the Arkansas legislature closed the 2022 fiscal session, cementing several projects and new measures. Prisons and county jails received special attention during the session, with the legislature approving a 498-bed prison expansion at the North Central Unit in Calico Rock. Governor Asa Hutchinson projected the expansion to cost between $60 and $100 million. He cited the growing population projections and COVID-19 concerns amid the overcrowding in county jails. Currently, we have a record backup of state prisoners in our county jails. This limits the counties and cities and their capacity to enforce local laws. This backlog must be remedied, and for that reason, I recommend another one-time investment from our surplus to fund a new 498-inmate prison facility. After the governor introduced the bill at the General Assembly last month, protesters from both Decarcerate and the Arkansas Justice Reform organized and spoke out during the address. Now let me... Now let me... The House will come to order. An online video publicized by Heat magazine showed Capitol Police walking the protesters outside, and just before they left the building officially, a clash between the protesters and the police ensued under the Capitol tunnel. Police detained two of the protesters for pushing back against the officers and causing a scene. I spoke with Zachary Crow, director of Decarcerate, and Sarah Moore, co-founder of the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition, who led the demonstration. Sarah Moore, Zachary Crow, thank you so much for joining me today. And if you could walk me through the beginning of when you guys are in the House Gallery um, chanting to ultimately what happened under the entrance of the Capitol Tunnel. Um, We... Visited the House Gallery uh, because we knew that the governor would be um, addressing this proposed expansion in his State of the State address. Um, And we wanted the governor's voice to not be the only voice that legislators heard. When law enforcement asked us to leave the gallery, we complied. And as we were leaving the building, police became extremely violent towards nonviolent protesters um, with an excess show of force. Um, And so we're deeply troubled that not only were the people silenced in the people's house, but that police responded with such um, uh, such violence. we believe that prisons are in fact a form of violence. Um, and we were there to speak nonviolently against state violence and were met by more state violence. What was the original plan for the demonstration and uh, why were you there? 
We we showed up on the Capitol steps to um, speak to legislators and the people um, there in front of the Capitol steps about all of the possible solutions and the vision that we could have for Arkansas, um, about the, the harms and the detriment that prisons and jailing, arrest and incarceration um, have on Arkansans every day. Um, unfortunately, um, the same tired solutions, if you would call them that, um, continue to be um, building more cages, building more jails. Um, this is a solution that is so extreme in Arkansas with our budgets that is not sustainable um, ongoing within county jails, within the state prison system. Um, taxpayers can't bear the burden. We are the number four incarcerator um, in the nation. Um, I do not think that Arkansans are more criminal than 46 other states. And so what we wanted to show up on the Capitol steps and to talk to legislators, to talk to the governor, and we've invited him to sit with us, is to envision what Arkansas can look like if we invest the $100 million into community programs, into things that uplift Arkansans. When you look at who's arrested and incarcerated, it's, it's poor folks. It's people struggling with addiction. It's our black and brown community members. These are mothers and fathers. And whenever they're arrested and incarcerated, we pull families apart. And we ultimately don't say that all lives matter. We don't say that black lives matter. And we don't say families are important. Supporters of the bill argue that overcrowding needs immediate solutions for county sheriffs that are holding more violent offenders in spaces meant for prisoners with minor offenses. State Representative Deanne Vaughn spoke out for the bill. But I've had several kind of, several counties that have reached out to me about prisoners that are sleeping on floors. I mean, they don't have a bed for them to sleep in. This is not adding new people to our prison system. It's getting them out of our counties and off the floors that they're laying on in our counties. And I mean... I get calls all the time asking for a bed to be found for their husband that's laying on the floor. So I would encourage us to please vote yes for this so we can get people in beds and quit treating them like they're not humans and give them a bed. Zachary Crow says that the governor's citing of the pandemic is not enough to justify the multi-million dollar expansion. Jails are overcrowded in large part due uh, to COVID. Uh, people are being... Uh, sent to prison from jail much slower uh, because of COVID. COVID will not be with us forever. Um, and so we're in this moment planning to build 500 cells that will take probably a year uh, to complete. Uh, it feels like a knee-jerk reaction to a momentary crisis. The other thing I'll say about uh, overcrowded jails is that we've not done anything on the local level to try and address this problem. Judges, prosecutors could be addressing this problem with discretion, with no need for legislative reform. Uh, we can certainly address this problem legislatively, but in this moment today, sheriffs and prosecutors could be getting people out of jail and dealing with this overcrowding problem through things like pretrial detention, uh, not holding as many folks on bail. Um, and, and so we've not done any of those uh, good faith efforts to actually address this problem on the ground. Where does this measure, if approved, leave us for the future? On the continuing trend? On an unsustainable path. I mean, even if uh, the human cost and toll of breaking these families apart isn't enough for you, um, hopefully you can get upset about the fact that just like you have a family budget, um, we have a state budget and our taxpayer dollars only go so far. We aren't imaginative and haven't come up with solutions on how we address you know, poverty and homelessness, addiction, um, the need for recovery services, the need for mental health services. And so unfortunately, we, we spend a, a lot of money putting people in jail. Sarah Moore from the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition and Zachary Crow from Decarcerate spoke with me in February over Zoom. We reached out to the governor's office and Capitol Police for comment on several occasions. This is Ozarks at Large. Ahead this hour, Theater Squared goes on the road after a two-year hiatus. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth finds out more about the spring tour of schools for T2's history show. That's in about 10 minutes.
KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, bringing live music to the auditorium in Eureka Springs. Appearing Wednesday, March 23rd, is American singer, songwriter Lyle Lovett and his acoustic band. And performing Friday, March 25th, is the Marshall Tucker Band 50th Anniversary Tour with the Outlaws. Tickets at thundertix.com for more. KUAF is supported by Butterfield Trail Village, a premier Northwest Arkansas retirement community catering to active lifestyles and resident well-being. Offering a variety of amenities, including apartments, cottages, and village home living options. Information at butterfieldtrailvillage.org. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. And I'm Kyle Kellams. The Arkansas Department of Health is noting a grim milestone, more than 11,000 COVID-19 deaths in the state. The ADH now counts 11,030 fatal cases since the start of the pandemic two years ago. The agency says most of the nearly 40 deaths added in Thursday's report occurred several weeks or longer ago and are just now being fully reported and tabulated. There are just more than 1,600 active cases in the state. That's the lowest number since last June. Northwest Arkansas hospitals report a combined 21 patients with COVID-19, far below the two-county high of 183 patients established eight weeks ago. First National Bank of Fort Smith is marking its 150th anniversary with a $500,000 gift to Boys and Girls Club of Fort Smith. Talk Business and Politics reports the donation will be used for expansion and renovation of the Jeffrey Club located on North O Street. And the Walmart Amp is adding another concert to its summer season. This morning, the Amp announced James Taylor and his all-star band will perform Friday, July 15th in Rogers. Tickets will go on sale through the usual Walton Arts Center outlets a week from today, the 25th. State of Ukraine, a new podcast from NPR, has episodes available now with reporters on the ground and conversations with politicians and officials. Everything you need to know about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. With multiple episodes offered each day, learn about the conflict's past, its possible futures, and what each new development means for the rest of the world. State of Ukraine, a new podcast from NPR, available at npr.org slash podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. I am so happy that Becca Martin-Brown, features editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, is on the phone from her Bella Vista office with me. Becca, happy Friday. Happy Friday. And I have found a way to bring the two great loves of my life together. If I ask you, who is the biggest star from Fort Smith right now? Who might you say? Okay, biggest star of Fort Smith... I mean, there was Rudy Ray Moore, who was Dolomite, right, in, in, in movies in the in the 70s. And then I think of, I mean, it's not technically Fort Smith, but Bob Burns, who became famous in the 30s, 40s, and 50s in radio and film, was from the Fort Smith Metro. That who you're looking for? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm thinking about Jalen Williams. Oh, right. Good call. Okay, right. He plays a little basketball yes. for the Razorbacks. Yes, yes. Okay. But there's another young man in Fort Smith that's hoping he will eclipse that fame. All right. His name is Daniel Myers, and he has been honing his craft of acting at UFIS since he was nine years old. Oh, my. He is now a semester away from graduating. He's playing the lead in Six Degrees of Separation on the UAFS stage. And he's already got an agent in Little Rock and is appearing in a CarMax commercial that basketball fans might have seen on ESPN. Sounds like he's on his way. Well, Six Degrees of Separation is a fun show. And he is, of course, playing the antagonist. Mm -hmm. The premise of the plot is that this con man named Paul manages to convince a series of New York socialites that he's the son of actor Sidney Poitier and will use his family ties to make something wonderful happen for them. Uh, Con man up and down. And Daniel Meyer says, he's not all bad. No, He's a lost boy trying to find a home and he lives in this world he's created with his imagination. So he's got a really interesting take on the character. So showtime is 7 o'clock today and tomorrow. There's also a 3 o'clock matinee tomorrow at Breedlove Auditorium at UASS. 
Tickets are $10 at UAFSUniversityTickets.com. And I think when this guy comes on stage, you ought to just cheer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then you can explain to him that some crazy woman in Northwest Arkansas thought that was a good idea. That is your Friday recommendation. Something to do tonight. Tomorrow, you're going to need one of those time-turner things from Harry Potter. Because you've got to slow down time so you can do everything you need to do? Well, you need to go back and forth between a convention at the Fayetteville Town Center called Wizard Way of the Ozarks Mm -hmm. and a convention at the Rogers Convention Center called NWA Comic Con. Wizard Way of the Ozarks has things like Butter Brew, mm-hmm. a Merchant's Alley tomb contest, all these things going on at Wizard Way of the Ozarks from 10 to 5 tomorrow and Sunday. And then you can go up the road to the Rogers Convention Center to Comic Con which is from 10 to 6 on Saturday and 11 to 5 on Sunday. And weirdly, the only guests who ring a bell for me are wrestlers. It's $25 for Saturday only for Wizard Way of the Ozarks. It's $30 a day for Comic-Con. And that'll take care of all day Saturday and possibly Sunday for you. But Sunday, I want to send you to Eureka Springs. Why not go to Eureka? Well, it's going to be beautiful, Plus, they're doing an alumni recital of alumni from Opera in the Ozarks. Right. And this is this is really cool. It's going to be at the Odd. And Alexandra Lang, who was at OIO in 2009, she's a soprano, and baritone Joshua Scheid, who was there in 2017. They are, in fact, doing an alumni recital series this spring. So there will be this performance on the 20th, another one on April 24th, one on May 8th, and one sometime in June. And that one will feature Catherine Cook, who will be the resident voice teacher this summer. The Performance Sunday is also available streaming after the fact. You can go to opera.org and you can buy the streaming version to see after Sunday. I think we're back. Oh, we're definitely back. I want to also, I mean... Because I mentioned Bob Burns as one of the famous people from Ford Smith. I should just technically say he was born in Greenwood, grew up in Van Buren. So I realize he's not from Ford Smith. You know, he hosted the 10th, uh, he was the host of the 10th Academy Awards. Really? And also, you know, some of the canned laughter you still hear on sitcoms that use canned laughter originated from the Bob Burns radio show. Wow. They don't... Okay, uh, now tell me. Aren't Mom and Abner from down there somewhere? They are from the MENA area. Okay. Yeah. And now we just left everybody under 50 going who? Yeah, I think you're you're being generous, I think. (laughs) I mean, Bob (laughs) Burns had his own radio show in like 1932. So... Google them. They're funny. Yeah. All right. All right. Well... Hey, Becca, thanks for your patience, as always, and uh, we'll talk again next Friday. (laughs) I think I'll do this again. It's the most fun I have all week. All right. Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and she would tell you, go Zags. This is Ozarks at Large. Theater Squared is hitting the road this spring. The company's in-school tour will take performances of the History Show to junior and high school students in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth sat down with two of the show's producers, Morgan Hicks and Chad Dyke, about what students can expect and the challenge of bringing live theater back to the classroom after two years of social distancing. All right, Morgan and Chad, thanks for being here with me today and talking to me about uh, the history show. So can you tell me a little bit about this run uh, of the tour and kind of how this show is different maybe than in past years? Yeah, um, I can a little bit. I can get started. So the History Show is part of our Arkansas Arts Tour, um, and we tour all over the state. Um, We have been doing the tour since 2010, Um, so this is the 12th year that we've been out. Um, We've 
typically always gone out in the fall. And so this is sort of our, our first big um, time out in the spring. Um, we were kind of waiting for numbers to, to line up to make it feel a little bit safer for the schools. A lot of a lot of restrictions were in place in the fall. Last year, we did a whole virtual kind of program. This year, we're offering a virtual version of this tour as well. So we are still having schools that are not having people come in doing that uh, or any of those type of things. So we're offering virtual workshops as well as virtual access to the show, which we haven't done other than last year with a with a whole like kind of virtual program last year. So yeah, it's how it's different this year, I guess, if that's... <laughs> and, and how many schools are you guys going out uh, to this year? Yeah, so typically we see uh, about 80 schools a year. This year it's a, it's a fewer than that. Uh, we're sitting at 55 right now. Still taking bookings. We yeah. still have like, you know, a couple of uh, afternoons free or mornings free. So we're still trying to get as many schools in as we can. But in past years, we tried to hit about 80 schools. Most of those were in Arkansas. Um, the school tour is largely funded by the Arkansas Arts Council. And so um, we really do focus on Arkansas schools, but we also have funding from Simmons that takes us up into Missouri and into Oklahoma. So we are kind of regional in that way. We've always like, you know, hit one or two in Texas. We always like try to take it to as many places as will have us and want us. The thing that's really fun for me about designing the tour is that it really does speak to a need from schools to have, you know, these guest artists come into the classroom. So that's, that's really the goal is to try to find all of those places where access is a little bit more limited. Yeah, and it's always surprising how many <clears throat> of those high school students, this is their first experience with theater, or it's the only experience they're getting throughout the year right there. So that every we, we, we purposefully do a different show every year so we can go back to the same school so they can uh, have that experience and see a new show um, so that then that, but that might be their only access or, or, or one of the very few. So yeah. it's always surprising to me when I, when we hear that from teachers every year. <laughs> yeah, and for you guys, you know, especially having done it virtually for the first time last year and then being able to do it again live now, you know, what is it like the response from the kids and from the teachers, from the schools, uh, administrators, parents, whomever, um, to have that live theater experience or a live performance aspect back in the schools? Yeah, I mean, it's been... It's been a great response. We've had amazing responses. And again, for all the reasons that Morgan just talked about, that that they haven't been able to do even assemblies, right? So even some of these band concerts and things like that. So just being able to host some of those things, they, they're, they're excited to get students in a room. And then it's tied to what they're doing in their classroom. So then they're getting a learning experience on top of that. The, the response has been great. People have been really excited that we're coming back. Yeah, we, ju- we designed this the virtual tour to have you know an interactive component because we know that that was so important uh, that the students aren't just like passively receiving a video experience, um, but it was something that they were, you know, it was a game that they were playing and they were interacting with it in that way. But nothing does the work of live theater in that way. You know, nothing can can replace live theater. Yeah, and then we extend our performances with workshops. So we're going in and working with smaller groups of students around uh, either the history this year, the history, uh, um, uh, we're working in the history classrooms or we're doing an improv workshop or other different types of workshops. But that... We, is harder to do in a virtual setting, right? Again, theater works best when we're sitting in a room or in a room with other people and interacting in that way. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, what this uh, show is about and, and what uh, how what it took to sort of come up with the, I guess, curriculum for the show? Yeah. Um, so this year is the history show. We have, you know, quite a few shows in our repertoire of shows that we tour. Um, we show we tour a show about um, Edgar Allan Poe, and we tour a Shakespeare show, and um, we have a math show and a science show. But the history show is one of our favorites because it's sort of aware of how challenging the task of teaching all of U.S. history is. Um, and so it kind of references that and, and um, pokes fun at how impossible of a task it is. And yet we are able to surface some of these major ideas that you would expect to to see in a history classroom. These uh, questions about whose story gets told, whose story gets omitted. Why do we care about the things that we care about? Why is it important to study history? Can we think about these moments that we are living right now? Can we think of those as historical moments? And can we like give ourselves a little bit of perspective of that? You know. And so um, the show was originally written in 2012. Um, and it went 
on the road again in 2016. So both of those were really like large moments uh, in election years, large uh, sort of exceptional moments in our country's story. And to be able to revisit it after this major moment of communal trauma of a pandemic and to be able to like, you know, sort of root ourselves again in awareness of history and an awareness of this American story that we are a part of. One of my favorite moments is when they start talking about the role of what what you can do, what you as a high schooler can do. And it's, we talk about voting. We talk about how important they are in that process. I think that's an important thing to add in there because you, you said this, that history is happening now and that we are a part of that. And I think that that's, again, just important for those students to remember and, and, and engage in. Yeah. And, and right now, it's a kind of a contentious time to talk about history it in schools. Is. Yeah. It it's, always yeah. is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, we were we were sort of aware of that. Yeah, that there is a little bit of a, a heightened awareness of you know um, uh, the things the 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 topics that you might bring up um, around a show about history. And so um, so we think that the, the show walks a good line of asking students to to ask questions and to think about things critically. But it's not trying to like push a point of view or anything like that necessarily. Other than like you know, hey, citizenship is cool, and it's cool that we have you know this power to vote and we have this power to like change things that we don't agree with, you know. For a lot of people, I think, especially in maybe rural or uh, smaller communities, when they think about theater or they think about plays or, or productions like this, they don't think about it as an educational tool. Um, it's more of an entertainment aspect. You, you know, how is it bringing this to these communities and, and being able to showcase plays and, and theater in a more accessible way to people as a form of uh, education, but also like an avenue for them as a career path or any other option. Yes, and, right? I think it's all of those things, right? I think part of the reason why we can get in the door at some of these schools is because it's fun, right? This show is really funny. It's really entertaining. The students are engaged. And yes, we're also then adding in content. But we do have a talk back afterwards, typically, where lots of students are asking questions about what it's like to be an actor or what's life on the road like or how would you memorize all those lines, right? Like all of those things. So it is kind of all of those things that you just said, and, and it's and it's why we do it, a lot of it as well, that, that we're, we're trying to bring entertainment, we're trying to bring education, and we're trying to talk about that you can make a career in, in theater at the same time. Yeah, when we um, when we take anything into the classroom, we think of theater having the power to be um, a mirror and a window. Um, they can see themselves on the stage, and they can see themselves, you know, having this fun ex- this fun experience. Um, but it can also be a window outside of you know sort of where they are in that moment. I think back about some of like the really memorable moments out on the road in some of these talkbacks, and I remember being with a group of students who were not that interested in theater, but uh, one of the students just raised their hand and said, "How do you?" go to college? And I just thought like, wow, (laughs) like that's a big question. And like, they've not asked that before. They've not had people in front of them, um, just willing to like sit with them and talk with them and, and say, yeah, I came from a small town in Arkansas too. And then I went to college and now I'm doing this thing that I love doing. And you may, that might not be the thing that you love, but like there are ways to, to see yourself uh, somewhere other than than this place right now, you know, um, or stay here and do this thing and change this community and change the world in, in a positive way for your world. And so what if a uh, student's going to come see the show, you're coming to their school, what can they expect to see a little snippet from the show? What what can they expect to learn? Um, they will learn it all. We will go all the <laughs> way back <laughs> to the year 1000. We will take it up to 2022. <laughs> um, that's like the, the premise of the show is that we're going to get it all in. We're going to go all the way from the beginning to the um, to, to the present. Um, and, uh, and it goes fast. Um, it's funny. It's musical. It's comedic. Um, it has moments of uh, um, of seriousness. Um, we we get a couple of really you know impactful, important speeches. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think what they'll they'll see is that um, the story of America the story is the story of themselves. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people here in Fayetteville, or you know who know Theater Squared, and maybe have gone to shows there, they maybe don't know that they have an education program. Why is it important to, for Theater Squared to provide this and to have this? I, oh, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I think there's lots of there's lots of reasons why. Truthfully, I think part of what. Uh, Theater Squared is based on being a part of the community and being supportive of the community. And part of that is that there are youth and there are people who want to learn about things and that we can get out. And part of 
the education department is about getting out of our building and going into different places and going across Arkansas to bring theater to new people. Going back to what Morgan said earlier, it's also about uh, impacting youth in whatever way. How can we empower them to use their voice, to have opinions, to say things, and to go out and change the world, to change their community, to change the state, to change whatever they're they're really thinking to do? Yeah, I think about you know our founding mission. Like we started Theater Squared with this idea that theater done well and with passion can transform lives and communities. And I think that that can be no truer than when you're working with young people because they have all of that enthusiasm. Still, the mission of the theater has always been um, so in line with education and outreach, and and going beyond our walls. Like we're we're so lucky to have you know um, this beautiful facility, and we love to welcome students into it, and love to welcome the public into it. But we're not limited by that physical building. We have a, a reach larger than that. Uh, any hopes for for this upcoming show? Any places you're excited to go that you haven't been before? We always have like a good mix of schools that we go back to time and time again. Like we kind of get to know those teachers really well, and we build those relationships. But then um, every year we like will get a call or get um, an email from a school that we're like wait, that's a school. Like, it's always, um, always a surprise to like find out how many more places there are all over the state and um, and to start building those relationships. So I guess our goal would be like, you know, one day to have relationships with every school district, every school, and to make the tour, you know, have to be a year-long uh, adventure so that we can hit them all. But I always love those little schools, like those schools of like, you know, that, that have a graduating class of like 30 or 40. And, um, and those get me really excited because that, that's where, you know, I think the, the real mission and like the real impact lies in those places that that have so so few other opportunities to okay. see theater. Yeah, I've been excited because um, uh, we're getting a lot of new teachers coming into it just because of the pandemic over the past two years. We have had teachers leave, and so we're getting new teachers that are coming to us and have just heard about it from other people. And then as the tour is going along now, we're, we're starting to book up, but we're still getting those calls to be like, oh, wait, can you come Can you come back to my school? We had a teacher that we did a full day at her school, and she just booked us again to come back and do another full day because she really like loved what we were doing and really wants to impact more students than the one that we're able to see it the first time. So that like that is exciting to me. Those are the moments where I'm really excited to see what we're doing. Yeah, and um, going forward, you know, what other educational projects are coming up? Anything people can look forward to? Yeah, we have our summer camps uh, available right now online. So if you're interested, uh, you can check that out at Theater Squared, uh, theatersquared.org backslash camps. Um, we also have classes for adults and lots of other stuff on there. So check that out. That was Morgan Hicks and Chad Dyke from Theater Squared speaking with Ozarks at Large's Daniel Kruth about their touring production of the history show. Strong doesn't mean weak. Strong is brave and ready to fight for the life of his citizens and citizens of the world. Ukraine's President Zelensky asked for more help. What he got, what he didn't. We'll have the latest from Ukraine and kidney donors and recipients in a 10-way chain of life. Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition Saturday, tomorrow morning from 7 to 9 on KUAF. You can also listen by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm happy to be joined on Zoom by Courtney Lanning, who's going to tell us about a new film. Courtney, welcome back. Kyle, thanks for having me in spite of all the age jokes I've made recently. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, let's. I'm going to let you tell me the name of this movie. Uh, it's an anime film. Yes. Um, it is called Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, which I know you can't say three times fast. I don't know if I, I can, can do either. <laughs> do it three times slowly. This is an extension of a franchise, correct? It is. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen is actually one of the most popular animes right now. And for your listeners who haven't heard me review an anime film before, anime is, of course, short for Japanese animation. Uh, these are cartoons that are made in Japan and brought West. And, you know, it's pretty niche market, uh, just like this show is. But Jujutsu Kaisen is, is one of the most popular right now. It's, it's right up there with Demon Slayer and uh, My Hero Academia and um, Attack on Titan. It's, it's one of the top tier fan favorites at this moment. All right. The, the challenge with niche film and franchise, and you put them together, is that 
Is it a movie that welcomes people uninitiated? Is it something that builds further on what's been established? How does it do in those sorts of regard? So here's the thing. Some anime films you can just walk in and watch and be completely fine with. Uh, You can do that with any of the Hayao Miyazaki films, Kiki's Delivery Service, Hell's Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke. You don't need any previous understanding to watch those films. You can enjoy them and should because they're some of the best. This movie is pretty much exclusively for fans of the established anime series. Mm. Uh, And what I mean by that is, of course, Jujutsu Kaisen is a 26-episode series. It ran on TV in Japan, just like a TV show here in America would. Uh, And this is a prequel to that series. It takes place about a year before the story. And for fans of the show, this is going to feel like an extended episode. But people who know nothing about it will be entirely lost if they try to watch. It'll be like... um, Back in 1998, you'll remember X-Files Fight the Future came out to theaters. I really loved that movie, but if you tried to watch it without watching the TV series, you'd be lost because it takes place between, I think, seasons four and five. I think of Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, David Lynch's extension of the Twin Peaks television series. Of course. Same thing. If you haven't visited that rural Washington town where creepy stuff happens you're going to be lost for the movie. And that, that's the way it is with this. Okay, I'm going to walk in. I won't know what's going on, but will I like what I'm seeing? Is the animation worth my attention? It is. You know, um, the, the TV series already has a pretty distinct animation style. Uh, and the movie is just that with a bigger budget. So, of course, the animation is great. The action is exciting. And if someone already loves this show, they should expect to enjoy it even more with this movie and the film budget. This sounds like a film that if you know it's coming out, you know when you can see it. If you don't know it's coming out, you probably don't care. And so it is a small, narrow window of potential fans. It seems likely, yeah. Um, It actually, it comes out today in theaters. Um, I know both the AMC and the Razorback in Fayetteville are showing it, so... You've got your your choices there if you want to go see it at one or the other. Um, but yeah, to theaters today. Anything else coming out this week? Yes, as a matter of fact. Uh, and I feel like I'm glad I didn't have to review this one personally, but Disney has remade Cheaper by the Dozen yet again. Wow. Okay, so this has gone through at least two incarnations. Yes, but Steve Martin has nothing to do with this one. Instead, this one is headed up uh, by fans of Scrubs. We'll appreciate, I'm sure, Zach Braff. Oh, I like Zach uh, Braff. Who, right. He played JD in Scrubs for, you know, seven wonderful seasons. And uh, if you enjoy him, maybe you'll want to give this a shot. It's on Disney+. Plus. It comes out today. And now I'm excited about what you think you're going to review next week. Yeah, so next week, I would like to review a film called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, And this, interestingly enough, is a movie about a multiverse. But I believe the creators of this movie actually passed on directing Loki, the Disney Mm -hmm. Plus TV series, which is about a multiverse, so they could go make this movie instead. Well, I love the cast. Um, Ken Hong is in it. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Uh, it's, it's a mostly, I think, Asian American cast. It's from the same studio, A24, that did a Minari. And it's described, at least in one place I looked, as a big-hearted sci-fi comedy. So I think they're aiming, aiming for the stars here. I think they are, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Hopefully I can snag a review copy. All right. Well, hopefully you do, so we can talk about it next week. You can read the full review of Jiu-Jitsu... Kaizen Zero. Thank you. In the Friday edition of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Courtney, thanks so much. Kyle, thanks for having me. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. This is Ozarks at Large. With me inside the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio is Sherry Otaviano, who is our membership director at KUAF. Hello. Hi, Kyle. Love saying your last name. It's one of the best last names to say (laughs) in the world. Um... 
in just really relatively few days, we're going to have our spring on-air fundraiser. That's correct. Our front, our fundraiser begins March 28th, that Monday, and runs through Friday, April the 1st. We're doing something similar to something we've done before, where mm-hmm. we partner with some very important institutions in our region. Yes, KUAF um, serves the entire community, um, the listening area, and um, we are going to do what we did last time for hospital workers, only this time our focus is going to be on teachers. We're wanting to treat a teacher, and I'm really excited that we're partnering with Sonic to provide gift cards to area school districts, and um, that can they can give those cards out to teachers in the school district. And how will this work? This will work during the fundraiser, um, during All Things Considered and Fresh Air in the afternoons from 3 to 7. We're looking to raise um, or, or get 25 gifts of $20 or more, and then we'll be able to send gift cards to the school district that we're supporting that day. It starts the 28th. It will run through April 1st. April 1st. And you can, you know. Contribute in all the normal ways. You can go to yes. supportkuaf.com. Yes, or you can send a check to us here at our address. It's 9 South School in Fayetteville, Arkansas, 72701. Thursday morning, someone came to the door and knocked on the door and gave me a check <laughs> that I then put on oh, your desk. Oh, yes, yes, I did get I, that. I didn't just keep it. I just <laughs> You gave me this look. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, ah. Um, no, but yeah, yeah. And you can, you can actually come and visit us at the station or you can put something in the mail. That would be fine, too. All right. It starts bright and early Monday morning, March 28th. That's right. 6 a.m. Help us treat teachers. Thank you. Why do some of us get weepy at weddings and graduations? Mixed emotions tend to be triggered by pretty emotionally complex situations like college graduation day, dormitory move out day, watching the movie Life is Beautiful. The importance of emotional ambivalence this week on Hidden Brain from NPR. Hidden Brain, tomorrow afternoon at 3, then again Sunday morning at 6 on KUAF. And on Monday's Ozarks at Large, recalling a legendary leader of labor in Arkansas. If you look at our statistical measures, uh, Arkansas wages are below Mississippi, the lowest in the nation. Our per capita income is the second lowest in the nation. Our wages are 80 cents an hour below the national average. Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History will bring us archives relating to the life of J. Bill Becker, the president of Arkansas's AFL-CIO for 30 years. This is KUAF 91.3 Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Clifty. KUAF is a listener-supported service by the School of Journalism and Strategic Media. Today's show was produced by Timothy Dennis inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors today included Daniel Carruth, Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics, Becca Martin-Brown, who is the Features Editor with the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Courtney Lanning. You can read her full review in today's edition of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thanks to KUAF's membership director, Sherry Ottaviano, for keeping us up to date on the upcoming on-air fundraiser. We start a new week of daily episodes of Ozarks at Large, Monday at noon and 7 p.m. You can also listen to us as a podcast. The Ozarks at Large podcast is available for free wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to Jasper Logan and the band Modeling and everybody who made the lunch hour a possibility inside the KUAF lobby at the Commerce Center for Public Radio today. Stay tuned. We're going to have that performance and more, uh, including the conversation with Modeling, available through the KUAF YouTube channel. It's part of the lunch hour series, which uh, takes place inside our lobby once a month. You can keep up to date with all of the things that we have going on by going to KUAF.com. I'll be with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large from the Carver Center for Public Radio. I'm Kyle Kellums. And I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. We appreciate it. Stay warm, stay dry. We'll be back with you Sunday morning at 9 and then Monday at noon for a new week of Ozarks at Large.